Hello out there world and welcome to another episode of Wheel Bite, episode number seven, covering contests, one of the most taboo and fought about subject matters in all of skateboarding. We're going from all the way back in the late 70s with Jay Adams and Tony Alva and the Dogtown Boys coming out to obscure slalom contests in the suburbs all the way to now with the Olympics being a hot-button issue. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Please feel free to follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Twitter at Wheelbyte Podcast, drop the O in podcast. And of course, follow us on Facebook should you want more updates. It was brought to my attention when talking with a friend today about this episode that one of the things he loves about contests is going to them and not necessarily knowing who you're going to run into. Because the skateboarding world is so tight-knit and small, you may show up at a contest that is completely corporate-run and find out that a bunch of your friends are competing or a bunch of your friends are working it or attending. And that is kind of a beautiful thing that, you know, contests can bring the people together like that. No matter what your opinion is on the competitive aspect of skateboarding, though, there's no denying that it's there in the arena or in the streets. So sit back Listen to our opinion on the contest subject matter. And should you have an opinion on it yourself, you know where to find us. Welcome to San Francisco. I feel like I feel like it's dangling by a fucking strain of bone marrow. East Coast Powerhouse. From the New York, a I especially like the flip of the board. Hello out there world. Coming to you live from San Francisco. This is another episode of Wheel Bite. I am host one of two, Ted Theodore Mater. And with me as always is my dude. Jay Green here. And today our topic of discussion is going to be the nature of contests and the culture surrounding them. And to kick things off, we thought we'd talk about some of our favorite things we've ever seen at a contest. And for me, the one that comes to mind, I was not there, but the footage of Danny Way breaking his leg really, really badly, and then getting jacked up full of morphine and going back down the mega ramp and then winning best trick is, to this day, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. You don't even have to be a skateboarder to appreciate how fucking amazing that is. It's just absurd. And Danny Way, I mean, he was already a legend at that point, but... That's so Danny Way, just like beastly man skateboarder. <laughs> just get jacked up full of painkillers and go out and there and go kill land it. it with broken limbs. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, I'm going to give kind of a favorite memory, I guess, 
uh, I somehow acquired this VHS of a contest filmed in Savannah. It's called Savannah Slamma, and it was just a ridiculous contest, I want to say, in the late 80s, and it seemed like it was a pretty big deal, like it was held in this big arena, and they, like, interviewed people, I think, before, like, the contest. They had, like, fan shots and, like, stuff where... It was, like, almost like these little girls from the suburbs or whatever were, like, going to see, like, like new kids on the block or some <laughs> shit. Like, it was, like, a really big deal comparable to, like, Street League now, like, a big production contest. Anyways, I own the video, and it was kind of dope, actually. The Gons skated in this contest. Tony Hawk was in this contest. I believe Tommy Guerrero maybe was in the contest too. Uh, Tony Hawk was super young, but I don't know. It was just like completely different skate video that I own compared to like all the other ones that I you, had. How did you come across Savannah Slam? I have no idea. I must have like got it at a garage sale for like a dollar. It was in that time where. I was collecting VHS skate videos, and if I saw probably any skate video for less than a couple dollars, I bought it anyways. But it ended up being kind of like a funny little cherished prize, and it kind of gave me like a cool little insight into how contests were and, like, I guess the the original craze of skateboarding because that's when that d that vhs was from it was from the original like bust of skateboarding and it should be mentioned that it was just a wild format like the obstacles were super crazy it was like a mix of tranny and like weird street skateboarding was just kind of getting going and it was just this weird fucking course there was like pvc pipe like, everything was, like, lined with PVC pipe. I guess that was, like, a big thing. I mean, when is that contest? In, like, 87 or 88 or something? Yeah, I think late 80s. I, I mean, they weren't quite aware yet of what all the best shit to skate was. <laughs> right. It or was still even kind of like, very much being figured out. Like, imagine who actually designed and built that skate course. They probably had n absolutely no idea no. of anything involving skateboarding i mean that's the beauty of a lot of those old contests you look at footage of contests from like the mid to late 80s that were in some like middle of nowhere ass town somewhere in like texas or florida or something and the courses always look so last minute and super budget it's fucking awesome. And those dudes still went out there and like charged it like they were at the fucking X Games back then because there was no, you know, uh, blueprint for that kind of thing yet. Well, that's how contests kind of started to go back a little bit. Contests started in parking lots with nothing. Free and freestyle, freestyle, like skaters doing weird freestyle skateboarding and slalom actually also mm -hmm. so they had started with cones and nothing is really the origins of skateboard contests. that's true and that's like 
That goes back to the 60s, yeah, 70s. 60s, 70s. And I mean, I don't know how much you know about the old like Dogtown crew, like Stacy Peralta and Tony Alva, Jay Adams. But when they went to like a contest back in the day, they were seen as completely fucking radical because... And I don't mean radical, like, that's rad, man. I mean, like, radical in the political sense. They were so different. And while, like, all these people are doing, like, one-footed nose wheelies, like, through a cone, and everyone's like, ooh, and holding up a score of, like, a seven or eight, you know, Jay Adams is going up to these, like, little ramps that they have and doing crazy Bertelmans. yeah. Or they're, like, acid dropping off the tops of, like, buildings. And going really fast, like, pushing really hard, just, like, super wild style. People hadn't seen that yet. Yeah, and that was the first real introduction to that kind of skateboarding in a mass type event, like, where a lot of people were there and could see it. These little contests in the fucking parking lot. And from there, it began to evolve. And it's it's a valid, or I should say, it's a it's worth bringing up that I guess kind of the theme here of this contest episode also is that the place contests have in skateboarding history. So I mean, we'll go more into it, but um, just think about that. Think about these first contests and the most radical, gnarly skaters at the time were like, fuck it, like, let's go enter that contest or, like, let's go crash that contest. And freak people out. Like they, they were scared of that kind of shit. These guys had the want, for whatever reason, maybe, maybe competition didn't have everything to do with it like they weren't going to win maybe they were going to just piss people off but they were in the contest i mean the thing is you gotta look at that crew the zephyr crew they're coming from venice beach which at the time is like considered a slum to a lot of people they're going out to the suburbs where all these hoity-toity boring white people are and not only that so one of the reasons why they skated the way they did is because of the way the piers had been built around venice and santa monica and stuff like that and how it kind of changed the ocean currents a little bit but also they had uh the piers to navigate through on the waves which caused them to have this more drastic kind of grittier style to their skating that they took from the surfing not only that, they were the people, too, early on breaking into backyards to skate random pools. So you look at those two things combined, you have these sort of ruthless, almost lawless kids coming out to the suburbs where everything's very much by the books, and they're just scaring the hell out of everyone. And I, like you said, I don't think it was a competitive thing like, oh, we're going to go and win first place i think they just went out there to express themselves and be like you think you know what good skateboarding is but you haven't seen what we're capable of quite yet and despite their intentions they sure as hell spread their name fast (laughs) through this this method whether again whether they were trying to go to this contest and win the shitty little skateboard trophy yeah that i don't they even think there was out. money here involved no, yet they gave like their ridiculous skateboard trophies like a freestyle guy got out of, like a freestyle board or whatever 
Um, but it's it's certainly valid that they their name spread across the industry fairly quick because of showing up to these contests and you know wrecking shop. And that's kind of I want to say the you know the beginning of the modern contest, I guess. Well, I mean. It really started in the late 70s and early 80s when skateboarding was like a big craze. Right. So like they opened up all these skate parks so they would have all these big contests. And you look at people early in that era like Steve Rocco and Rodney Mullen are great examples. They were entering a lot of those freestyle contests and that's how they were making a name for themselves. Like we all know Rodney Mullen as the guy who invented everything in street skating but even before he was doing that, he was blowing everyone's mind with these contest freestyle runs. And then the same can be said for people like Tony Hawk and Christian Hassoy, who are entering a lot of those early contests as little kids. And they were these big, impressive vert dudes skating in pools and bowls. And they were therefore like the people's champs because they were blasting out higher and they were kind of inventing the tricks as they went. And Mike McGill is another great example of someone who is kind of finding himself in that era of contest. Right. And this is all while skateboarding is still kind of emerging too. It's like a fad, but then also at the same time, a couple of years later, like skateboarding wasn't cool anymore and it fell off super fast. So a lot of those contests quickly shut down because there was no longer a place to house them anymore. All these parks closed because business was bad, so they didn't bother holding contests. So similar to, I guess, the Zephyr crew, guys like you said, like Tony Hawk, Christian Hasoy, they certainly, during this, I guess, Savannah Slamma era, they certainly... Tony Hawk and Christian Hosoy for sure used contests and were able to travel through contests and have so much success at such a early age because of both, because of winning these contests and because of, again, like we said with the Zephyr Boys, they're able to just spread their name and their skills and their dopeness so rapidly because of where skateboarding was. And there's no, like... I think the interesting thing about contests in skateboarding is that it's basically as old as skateboarding. Like, as soon as you saw skateboarding gain any kind of popularity, sure enough, contests have been there. So I just, I, it's interesting to verbally lay out this timeline and kind of realize that contests have kind of played a huge part I guess depending on the era in skateboarding, but it's definitely catapulted certain skaters and given them a platform that is just kind of can reach a lot of people. Well, one of the things I always have found interesting about the mid to late 80s was that because contests kind of started to die out for a little while, they moved from the skate parks and the parking lots into like people's backyards. Like they would host big backyard ramp jams where people would come out for like three days to some ramp in the middle of fucking nowhere on some kid's farm or something weird like that. And they would have this crazy contest and still all the big names would be there. Like you would see Lance Mountain competing at these random 
Ramp Jams or Tony Hawk or Hasoy. And like, that's really fascinating to me that their urge to compete was so strong that they're like, yeah, I am going to drive out to this ramp and fucking compete in this contest. And like half the time sponsors were paying them. And then it seems like half the time they really weren't paying them. You know, it was more about proving themselves than it was about proving something for their team. I think that was kind of a big shift in the early nineties when like team rivalries were really popping off. Like I'm sure the vibe at a back at the back to the city contest in the early '90s was a lot different at it, like than Savannah Slamma. And it's a good point about Tony Hawk specifically. It makes a lot of sense because just being the guy who has progressed skateboarding so much on his own front, it makes sense that he's competitive and that he has spent a lot of his career in contests and same thing with like a guy like Hasoy um not to just you use those two as an example but, but they're the prime examples. but right like Hasoy was going bigger than anyone and, at the time and, and those two had sort of a weird rivalry but like you you hear him talk now and they don't really have any animosity towards one another. They both have a lot of respect for each other, but they were definitely like the two biggest names in well, that fo- world. <laughs> They're basically following each other around the world, competing as number one and number two. Yeah. Which is why that whole birdhouse video, the end was always great where like Bucky Lisek had this like whole weird staged hatred for cos- Tony Hawk. I did not co-sign how you just said Bucky Lasek, by the way. <laughs> I've I've always heard Lasek and Lasek. I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> but no, I just think that whole thing has been was funny with like how Bucky was like number two and then like had this crazy terrorist plot to destroy Tony Hawk while doing the loop. <laughs> In Mexico, and then I never heard that. That's great, though. No, it's it's the end. Oh yeah, it's Sorry, in the end. Yeah. It's not real life. God, thank God. <laughs> but yeah, Hasoy, Tony Hawk, they had a crazy rivalry. You could throw Danny Way into the mix too because he was sort of the up and comer, while those two were getting deemed like either old or unfashionable obviously they you know they proved everyone wrong that ever said that but danny way was like the little ramp up and comer who was fucking killing contests and taking things up a notch so we're still kind of in this era of contests are i don't know they're cool or they're they're used and they're in abundance they were cool and essential like at that time contests were how you mostly received coverage. You know, now so many of these magazines and stuff promote videos and street skating, like, and they're usually interviewing people who have some sort of video project in the works or whatever. But back then it was solely about like who was winning at contests because that's who readers wanted to see more coverage of. You know, you see that Steve Caballero is killing it in all these contests. You want to see more Steve Caballero. That's just how the industry was consumed back at that time period. So moving a little through that era, right? We got we got the 80s, the skateboard craze, the contests everywhere. 
the Savannah Slammas popping up all over the country, right? Um, type contests, Savannah Slamma type contests. And then we go through that kind of dark period in skateboarding a little bit where it loses a lot of its popularity maybe in the early 90s, right? It's like, yeah, early, late 80s and early 90s. Um, and then the X Games pop up and this this whole kind of like... Well, you got to go back a little bit before just in the sense that you know, around the early 90s when stuff like World Industries and Powell were kind of butting heads with one another, you know, that affected how a lot of those dudes were competing because now it suddenly became like a team-based enterprise. You know, you're entering five World Industries pros in the contest. You want all five of those people in the top, or at least that was like Steve Rocco's mentality. He wanted everyone to fucking win it. Meanwhile there were other contests going on still. Like I think of like all the stuff going on in Europe because I didn't even know this yeah. when I was a kid, but like Ed Templeton was deemed world champion in the early nineties at all these contests. And as a kid, I remember Ed Templeton for like being this gnarly revolutionary street skater, being the guy that started toy machine. I had no idea that there was this whole other side of him where he was ripping contests as a young kid. Cause that's still what mattered but he was taking his street skating to these contests, which at the time was also seen as kind of radical. I'm glad you brought up those crazy fucking European contests. They got even crazier around like the X Games era. But uh, yeah, they had some crazy ones. Um, Marseille is obviously a classic. Marseille. They have the... Uh, fucking vancouver or whatever had a crazy slam city jam or yep. whatever um there was some crazy one in like Prague or whatever um munster there was munster right right um so kind of moving through the the i guess where contests maybe aren't really they- spoken as taboo quite yet moving through the the early 90s and getting up to the first X Games, which is in 95, I feel like something completely... Not I feel like we know all as skaters who've been paying attention to the culture. Something has totally, like, shifted when this, like, X Games era and culture, it totally rubbed a lot of skaters the wrong way and how it was being rolled out and it just it something happened so all these years before that contest no problem no one seems to really have an opinion on a negative opinion on what they're doing for the industry and the culture but the x games just fucked all that up well here's what that is you have all these contests that for years they're important to how skaters get coverage at that point. But around the late 80s, when skating takes a dive in popularity, it no longer becomes about the contest in that sense because people aren't ready to just shell out money for all this stuff. It became more about the DIY home video. That's where all of a sudden like, you had this shift in what mattered more was your video part, not how you did at contests. So contests were still going on throughout the early 90s and also allowed for people like Ed Templeton to have some proving ground and allowed people to be seen. 
but you were more likely to resonate with the masses within skateboarding at that point if you had a banging video part that you just sort of went and filmed down the street from your house. Now, you get something like the X Games showing up on the scene. It's this huge corporate event. Big corporate money, yeah. ESPN's broadcasting it on TV. Yeah. You know, it's a huge deal. It's all of a sudden like skateboarding has been a little guy thing this entire time. And now all of a sudden it's in the huge corporate It spotlight. went zero to 100 fast yeah. with the whole X Games craze. And then, I mean, it didn't take long into the X Games for someone like Tony Hawk to once again revolutionize skateboarding. And he did the 900. And that was like three or four years into the X Games at that point. And it changed everything. People who didn't even skateboard were coming to school right. when I was a kid, not that long after that happened, and talking about how Tony Hawk did a 900. And it's become kind of like this whole cliche it's, of skateboarding. It's skateboarding's Jordan logo. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. I mean, after that, you know, Tony Hawk's and got milk ads and Doritos commercials and shit like that. Like he hot, became hot a pockets. What did he name. have? Bagel bites or something? One of those? I thought it was Doritos. Was yeah. the one where he's like in the bathroom on the skateboard? And I remember like, he had like a bagel bite or something like that too. Oh, God. But anyways, that's our point is it changed everything. Yeah, suddenly skateboarding was now safe, I guess. So it's I want to uh, mention that one of the most important ones that has been able to survive and was also created, birthed around that era was uh, contests like Tampa. Tampa yes, Am absolutely. and Tampa Pro. And... Um, I don't know, just speaking along the theme of of this now, what what's the what did they do? We all know that that ESPN and the X Games has a shit ton of money behind them, but like what was it? Was it just because skateboarding has come from humble beginnings and then all of a sudden it's broadcasted on national television like what what really was it that left this bad taste in a lot of the industry and community and fans um to where it became this like ultimate taboo of like it just i don't know there's this like clear split around there where it's like Oh fuck the X Games skater! You be you kind of got labeled as this I don't know like shit bag of just like oh he's an X Games skater he's or only whatever. in it for the money right yeah what's weird about that is if you read a handful of interviews with some of the biggest pros around that time I'm talking like Rick Howard and Huff they're talking about how they're getting money to skateboard for tv commercials and shit like that like sunny delight was paying rick howard and i remember like bell atlantic was paying huff and they at the time they see it as a warning sign that skateboarding is becoming corporate and safe and whatnot but at the same time they're like well like they're paying us lots of money like yeah, we we want to see skateboarding and our friends be successful because isn't that what this is all about? 
I don't, I look at the X Games within the world of skateboarding as I do with punk music around that time in the sense that look at a band like Green Day or even if we're going to go more mainstream, Blink-182. You have these bands who built up this reputation in the underground and this ideology of like DIY, cheap recordings, and then suddenly they're on a major label and the expression used by most of my friends was sellout. Like, oh, they sold out. So a lot of people, especially like kids who don't fully understand the world of adults and how finances and bills work. Yeah. Like seriously, you, I mean, most of the people who were talking shit about contests at that time were young kids, like kids our age telling us like, Oh, they're in the X games. They're lame. Yeah. Or they're only in it for the money. But like when half those dudes were probably honestly just trying to get a decent paycheck and the same with those musicians, like, yeah, they signed to a major label probably because it meant they didn't have to eat pop tarts for three meals a day. And it should be noted that these are the first few years and all the years for that matter, the skaters competing in the X Games are all big names. Yeah. They're all they're all our favorite skaters. They're they're you know, the the people that we looked up to for being real, authentic, core, whatever, for lack of a better term, skaters. Um and they're in it. They're in it. And I really agree with the point of just fucking money. Like, we all know in modern skateboarding now, now we know that it doesn't always turn out very, very well for a struggling skateboarder. And if I can win 10 grand at this contest, that's going to help a lot. Yeah. That's- and I mean, the cash prizes became too much to ignore because. I think in the 80s, like, you won a contest, you won maybe a couple hundred bucks. Right. But now, like, Street League, how much do you win when you win Street League? Like, I want to say you win, like... 100 grand. Yeah. 150 grand. I thought it was actually more than that, but still, that's a lot of money to put in your pocket for, like, doing a sweet switch flip, switch back lip down a hubba that Rob Deerdeck built in a fucking stadium somewhere in middle America. It's insane. I mean, the fact, too, that the thing with contests nowadays is we're actually kind of back in the 80s again, where, like, contests are kind of a big deal. It's appealing to the masses. Yeah, people love to watch it. Um, The only difference is how it's massively televised. You know, I went into a fucking crepe restaurant once here in San Francisco, and it was during Street League, And it was so weird that I was in this, like, yuppie cafe eating fancy-ass French toast with fruit on it and looking up and watching Paul Rodriguez skate in Street League. And I was just like, this is fucking unfathomable to me. Yeah. And, like, I can remember also being at some yuppie bar one night and the Dew Tour was on. And there's a lot of other things about this story, including a psycho girl from New Jersey and eating weed brownies. But... I was just trying to concentrate on Shane O'Neill's run, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, I'm watching Shane O'Neill at a bar. This is absurd, and I didn't think that this was going to happen anytime soon. So a little before 
we get in a street league. We have these years, I guess, of uh, the X Games kind of dominating and being just what they are. I see like 95 to like, I think Tony Hawk did the 999. Yeah. Um, all the way until you start to see these other things start to pop up and mimic what they're doing. And then it became full-on war against these type of contests. So I'm talking about things like the Dew Tour and stuff like that. And then you're seeing, you're hearing about contracts being issued out and that you can only skate in the do tour or you can't skate in the x games and something else and you're starting to see uh the your favorite skaters um not to drop any names but like these big name dudes who have mountain dew plastered on their fucking hats and like just this board on their boards and you're seeing them in commercials and and it's just like it went full fledged like fuck these contests these are taboo all the meanwhile again i like really want to kind of hammer in this point of who is skating in these things it's still our favorite skaters it's, or at least the most talented people of the modern era it's still people that were like ripping and putting out video parts there are there are a handful of these skaters who i will say were 90 percent 100 fucking percent contest skaters the only place i saw their name was in x games due to her uh what were the other ones street league no not street league street league comes later um anyways they're the only places i saw their names and i mean that's only a handful of them but again like it's your p rods and all these like household names who have dropped legendary video parts and are still respected by you know your hardcore skateboard community um are skating in these contests that are essentially being hated on and taboo for how gaudy and ridiculous the sponsorships are. Here's a fun thing to mirror that. One of the big beefs with early Nigel Houston was that he was just this little kid contest just a little contest baby, yeah. And obviously then he puts out a video part in This Is My Element that changes everything for him and like people see oh he really is a fucking awesome skater now what i think is funny about that is i didn't really have a clue who nigel houston was at the time but i saw this on an espn documentary espn did this 30 minute little thing on the history of skate videos and if you can ever find it online it's pretty good you know they talk a lot about video days and welcome to hell and you get some kind of interesting takes uh from some of skateboarding's finest filmers and editors but at the end they talk about how nigel was catching all this flack for being a contest skater and then they you know they talk about how his video part came out and how they people still value the weight of a good video part and i think it's interesting that espn is driving this point home though like to me it almost seems like some sort of fucking product placement. It's <laughs> on a hot controversial issue. <laughs> I'm not going to 
<laughs> I don't want it to make it seem like I'm siding with ESPN, <laughs> but I do think ESPN and the X Games label and just all of that as a camp, they jumped in kind of head first and have learned and learned with it. And I'm sure that they know the wrath that comes from the skateboard community in again, to our point of early X games and just how they created basically the corporate monster of taboo contests. I mean, they did, but now also we have seen some interesting reaction. And I think one of the things we're seeing now as a reaction to like, ESPN and Mountain Dew having their stake in skateboarding is these contests that are put on by skaters for skaters and they make it super easy for any skater anywhere to view it. You don't have to have a plane ticket to go out to the X Games and see all the events. You don't have to you know, have a cable subscription or like rely on getting the right ESPN channel since at this point they have like 10 different ESPNs. But, you know, you look at something like what the Barracks and what Dime have done, you know, I feel those contests are more hyped up these days than something with big corporate dollars to shell out. Well, they... I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. Uh Dime is sponsored by those contests I'm pretty sure are sponsored by DC which has a ton of corporate money behind them. They do, but um, I mean it's a Tampa it's a skate company. Right, totally. No, I I totally get what you're saying, yeah. but it is worth noting that Tampa Tampa Am and Tampa Pro are still probably the most respected contest in the industry. However, they are completely sponsored by Nike SB. Nike SB has paid to redo the park. They've sponsored it, I want to say, probably close to the last, like, eight years, five, five to ten years. Um, and things are starting to clearly change in skateboarding with major sponsors blossoming, like, coming out of nowhere. And... Uh, the money, the money starts to change. All of a sudden, the big X Games money isn't necessarily enough or really competing with these other things that are popping up. And and the format. The format is becoming stale, and you're starting to see these other really cool contests pop up and that are drawing different kind of skaters out to compete in these contests. Um so we're we're talking about you said the barracks, uh, the barracks game escape has been one of the most popular contests out there. You're able to tune in at your leisure and watch the battle after it's put online. Uh, you're able to follow it. It's a different format. It's super super cool, and the the prize money is not bad. It's it's up there and it's kind of like so I remember Steve Barra always I think kind of his point with the beginning games of skate is that they were giving as much if not more money in prize money than X Games at the time. So he was kind of I don't know speaking to the power of putting it back into the skaters and the masses and um 
I don't know. He really he really kind of hit something there with that game of skate. So uh, you saw that. And then even to compete a couple years down the road, you see X Games kind of jump back in and they have this whole new real street thing. X Games real street, which I think is super fucking dope. There's different skaters. There's skaters that get to showcase... Um, not just being able to jump down the biggest stuff and be able to like do a wild handrail or put together a contest run, if you will. There, the real street, if you don't know, uh, real X Games real street contest is they get a group of skaters and they give them however long, maybe a couple months to film a 60 second video part and. Their oh, yeah. video parts all compete with each other. And honestly, some of the dopest footage has come out of these X Games Real Street. And again, they have dudes who aren't going to be competing in the actual contest of it. So it's cool. They're, they're finding ways to incorporate real raw street skating into a different kind of format. Well, I do think it's great, too, that Steve Barra and Dime, for that matter, have the fucking Game of Skate contest because that speaks to skaters on such a universal level. And any skater watching that can identify with it. Unlike any skater watching the X Games or something can't necessarily identify with this huge fucking ramp that thousands and thousands of dollars have been poured into to make happen. Street League is cool i enjoy watching street league but like let's just address it like not every it's not accessible for every single skater to get into street league you need to be able to jump down massive fucking gaps and skate giant rails in order to compete in street league like let's just be honest about it absolutely and that's why i think like the Dime Glory Challenge is so great because, I mean, the people they get coming out to compete, it's so fun and, like, it's, exciting. And every time when I watch those recap videos and I'm like, oh, shit, that person's there or that other person's there, like, that's cool. I'm fucking stoked. I hope I hope they, they win this fastest trick not, contest. Right, exactly. <laughs> fastest trick or, like, the Joe Valdez challenge or they have – they don't take it super serious, you know, and it's it's not super stuffy and they're still giving out good amounts of money. And it's, it's just a, a completely different take and it's a completely different angle. And I actually uh, – to name a few other ones, I got into this – brazilian contest uh called slides and grinds and it's basically the same format as the barracks game escape but it's played on a ledge and i just i love seeing these new contest platforms that are able to showcase other skaters with other abilities other than Ryan Sheckler or whoever, Nyjah Houston doing a kickflip frontside board down like a 12 stair handrail. I think that it's, it's super smart and it's super important for skateboarding to be able to have these other kind of contests and competitions for other skaters to shine. 
And I mean, with all these different types of contests nowadays and all the different people who are entering them, you got to even ask yourself the question, what is a contest skater nowadays? Like, what does it even mean? Because obviously in the 80s, you know, that's, that's all there was. You skated contests. And that was the whole deal. Like, that's how you got coverage. That's how you got noticed. You know, the videos didn't enter the picture till the first Bones Brigade video came out and, like, was just broadcasted into homes. But most of the stuff you were seeing before that might be contest recaps that came out on video and stuff like that. But clearly the definition of what a contest skater is today has changed. Like, it's evolved over time. You know, like you said, there was the period of time where they were almost, like, hated on and snubbed but that time is long over i think the majority of skateboarding knows that these dudes need to eat just like everyone else yeah i want to use again yeah i i totally agree and i guess i'm just trying to address the hypocrites honestly that are the trolls of the fucking skate skate world and skate industry that, you know, went so hard on the so-called contest skater and the big corporate whatever, but still watch all these contests and still follow all the skaters that are in the contests. And again, now with this new definition or lack of definition of what a contest skater is, where are we now? Like where where do you stand on this now that there's more contests with you're seeing your favorite skaters in them? I don't know. You see PJ Ladd in the barracks game of skate. Like how dope is that, that you get to see PJ Ladd flex his insane flat ground skills, but you're not going to see PJ trying to front blunt a massive rail in street league, you know? So uh what what is a what is a contest skater nowadays and are all skaters contest skaters now i would argue that they are because every now and then you'll go to some of these bigger more corporate contests and you'll see the roster of who's on there and you'll be like oh i can't believe this dude or this lady is entering this contest like i can't I did not think they were that type of skater. Oh, Nakel Smith has a part in X Games Real Street? Fuck yeah. That's what I really like to see, and I, I like this new direction of unconventional uh, formats for contests. And then to bring up the most taboo of all... Yeah, the, the, the most controversial of the controversial. Dun-dun-dun... Coming up in year 2020, 20. we have skateboarding in the Olympics. Now, we could do a whole episode on skateboarding in the Olympics. And I'm sure we will at and some point. And we probably will. <laughs> and the the big the biggest fucking elephant in skateboarding is is skateboarding a sport? Is it an art form? Is it anything? Why do we have to call it something, right? <laughs> Everyone has a fucking opinion on on that, okay? But this is a big reason of why we kind of did this topic. Um, it's definitely a big reason for me. Uh, but the Olympics, we have the Olympics coming up, and I find the reaction to the Olympics coming to skateboarding so funny 
to me. I think it is just so corny and it's so predictable of skateboarders <laughs> that they are just throwing all this fucking salt at the Olympics. And again, like to my point, like, but all your favorite skaters are going to skate in the Olympics. Oh, like, absolutely. Like all your favorite, like what, nothing is going to change. And the Olympics of anything is like, it's completely different. It's completely different. You know what I mean? And I just, I think that the immediate knee jerk reaction of just like, oh, fuck the Olympics, like, duh, is just hilarious. And it's, it's entertaining. I mean, I don't really care that it happened. Uh, obviously, it has pissed a lot of people off. And then there's a handful of people who are stoked. I have one friend who is legitimately stoked for skateboarding to be in the Olympics. He is so for it, but he's also like a more athletically minded person. He's like the type of dude who goes to the gym like four days a week and is fucking always watching what he's eating so that he can live to be the healthiest person that he can be. He's that type of dude. So therefore he's like, yeah, I'm all for it. I want to see skateboarding, like get to that level and I get it. But like I said, like I don't care in the sense that it makes perfect sense to me that it would be in the Olympics. It's a fucking cash commodity. It's something everyone out there who skates shells out tons of money on. And if your favorite skater wins the Olympics, it's going to A, make them that much more famous, B, make them that much more rich, and C, like, if you're still going to support that skater because you like them as a skater, then great. You'll be like contributing to someone who has championed skateboarding to a whole new level that was unprecedented prior to that. Right. That's a, that's definitely a respectable stance. Like, I mean, yeah. like it's pushing skating forward. Yeah. Like, does it make me sleep less at night? No. Does it bum me out that like dummies are going to walk up to me and ask stupid questions about skateboarding in the Olympics? Kind of, but that's already sort of my life. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, so you wear a Thrasher hoodie, people are going to ask you something stupid. Right. So, yeah, like that's that's a big part of my point with this topic is what is the fucking line? What's the line? Like you this line keeps getting pushed back further and further and further of hypocrisy of contests being taboo or these big corporate things to where like just fucking i just can't take the middleman anymore where it's like be on one side or the other if you don't if you don't want to see nija houston in the olympics don't be a fan of nija houston then and don't like, watch don't, the olympics right like don't play the <laughs> fence like don't fucking be on instagram like liking nija houston's fucking clips that he puts out which are he has one of the best fucking skate instagrams out there oh, yeah. as far as like putting out contests like pick a side this line keeps getting pushed back and now it's like the ultimate standoff with the fucking olympics it's it's super bizarre i find it like very hypocritical and if you're gonna watch these smaller contests the barracks Something like uh, Woodward does mano a mano, which is like a, it's like a game of skate on transition on a mini ramp. If you're gonna fuck with these skaters and support these skaters 
on a smaller level of these contests who were all still very much receiving corporate sponsorship money, mm-hmm. mind you, okay? Nike has their name all over the barracks, all over Tampa. Uh, DC has their name all over these contests, which are big corporate money. Like, why would you hate on the Olympics? Like, the Olympics essentially has zero prize money yeah you get you get a medal you get to skate for your country yeah you're not representing fucking world industries you're skating for the united states or for australia or for england like that's exciting shit like you ever talk to any olympic athlete they're gonna tell you why they think the Olympics are an amazing experience for reasons that go beyond like athleticism and endurance. Right. Like the experience of representing your country is amazing and doing like the thing you are truly gifted at to represent your country. I mean, like everything else, skaters and <laughs> people don't like change very much, you know? No. And uh, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I find it so fucking funny and entertaining and, and I don't like, don't get it twisted. Like I'm not fucking waving the big Olympics flag. Like I've just, I'm, I'm all backing it. Like I, I don't fully back it, but I, I just, I find the reaction to it and the hypocrisy just like super crazy that you got fucking grown men just watching fucking barracks games escape and watching street league clips and Tampa clips on fucking Instagram all day. But the Olympics comes along and it's just like, nah, fuck the Olympics, this and that. And also, like, it's such a ridiculous quick reaction we don't even fucking know what the format is gonna be they may come up with something like x games real street where they have to fucking film a video part over a span of time or just something completely different that is gonna fucking change it like we don't even know yet no and i think too like it's the olympics i get that maybe some of the people in charge of their organization may be out of touch with the true world of skateboarding. Absolutely. But what, you don't think they're not going to like much. pay somebody a bunch of money who is in touch with skateboarding? Like, right. I guarantee you when we see who is behind all the shit going down there, we're going to be impressed with some of the names that they got to like either help design the course or help judge it. Like, here's one thing I'll say too about some of these corporate contests like the do tour and the x games one of the few things i always can get behind with those things is that they bring good skaters into their inner circle of like commentating something as simple as that like i'm glad that the do tour pays chris pastris to fucking commentate or that the x games pays tim o'connor to comment and absolutely totally agree with that and look at even street league employs California skate parks, the dopest skate park builders or company out there to design their courses. Like these aren't shitty. Like it's changed a lot and it's entertaining and they're making it much more appealing to the viewer and to the skater. People are quick to jump on that kind of shit because parks may have been fucked up at one point in their life because of the designer. Like, I look at someone like Frank Harada, who used to design parks, and he caught a lot of flack because, like, he would design a full park, but then the contractors wouldn't get enough money to build the full thing, so you'd be, like, left with half an idea. 
and you know we made a joke too about like we've all seen that skate park before (laughs) and we made jokes earlier about like hodgepodge wonky setups from the 80s but again it's not going to be like that because the olympics have a fuck ton of money to throw at whoever they want to design something that will be worthwhile am i gonna watch it live on tv probably not am i gonna hate on it on the internet after only if whoever wins does not deserve it whatsoever just like anything else (laughs) but yeah like and i'm putting money down right now that either Shane O'Neill or Nyjah Houston are going to win the gold medal. It's going to be one of those two people. They're the two best contest skaters on the fucking planet. They will well, definitely enter. Hopefully, and I definitely think they'll be good enough the to The beauty win. of the format of the Olympics is it could be some fucking no-name dude from China. That's true, you too. You know what I mean? Like, that's how dope is that potentially? I mean, and that's the thing. There are cultures of skateboarding that we're not even tuned into. Both of us have spent time out in Spain, and if you go to Macba in Barcelona, there is so much undiscovered talent there from all over Absolutely, Europe. Absolutely, yeah. Like, people who don't have the fucking huge corporate sponsors backing them, or maybe some of them do. Like, there's one kid I saw at Macba who's getting hooked up by Primitive and Grizzly and all these big companies, and... He is definitely good enough to enter those contests, but I don't think anyone in America would know his name unless they had been to Makba and seen him. Like, if you ask the casual skater, like, oh, you know who this kid is? I would guarantee you three out of five of them would say no. So my big thing with where competition and skateboarding has come from and to where it is now there's always this air of competition in skateboarding. Even on the streets. At completely outside of competitions, right. formal competitions. Like if you're skated and took sca- and been around skateboarding for more than five years and you deny the fact that there's a competitive edge or uh, aspect to skateboarding, you're completely fucking out of your mind, right? Look at a spot like uh, Hubba. Look at a spot like Wallenberg. And just the air of, like, going there and pushing skateboarding and doing something that uh, fucking kill me for saying it, but is better than the last what the last person did. There's totally this, like, I don't know, just this, this thing of competing in skateboarding to where it's very confusing and hypocritical to me where this, like... I don't know, like this hatred for certain types of contests have come from when we all know that exists in skateboarding. I'm actually surprised we didn't bring this up until now, but even look at something like King of the Road. Oh my God. Like, oh yeah. King of the Road is Thrasher's street based like points contest that lasts for two weeks. It is very much a contest. And it's such a contest. And like, you're saying like people who ignore like ignore the competition. I think there are people who they don't ignore it, but it's not their top priority. And the reason I bring up King of the Road and this at the same time is I look at someone like Louis Barletta. Louis is an amazing skater. He's definitely brought his own flavor to a lot of spots and changed and pushed skating in his own direction but i don't think he was ever doing it out of competitive nature i think he was just having a good time and 
was able to sort of not think about that. I look at people like Richie Jackson too, like who have that edge, even the Gons to some extent, like they're just doing what they do and there is a competitive nature to it, but I don't think they're out there trying to one up the next person. They're just out there doing their thing. But when you watched Louis on King of the Road, you know, here's a guy they're caught up in one of the big competitions that's being cable televised. And even in moments where he knows like, oh, I could pull ahead right now because this is a competition and I could be a dick and make this work in my favor. He still voted against that. And I'm talking in particular about like when they were at that ditch and they were like, oh, should we like leave dirt down on the ground so the next person has to sweep it out? He's like, nah, that's bullshit. Like we don't need to do that. It's always inevitably competitive. It's just how you choose to approach it that changes your persona. And yeah, if you choose to lie to yourself, because a lot of people, like how many people does that appeal to now? Like as a skater, being a skater, I wear a Thrasher hoodie in the fucking supermarket and I got the little checker fucking dude who's like, Oh man, like trying to talk to me about King of the Road, you know, like it's a, it's a fucking contest and it's, and it's put on by the most core, hardcore fucking the Bible, like Thrasher magazine, like, come on, like, let's, let's call it what it is. You know what I mean? Which now has major corporate backing to it. So like where, where do you stand? Like, where are these people who are hating on the Olympics and other things like that? But you know damn well you're watching every fucking week a king of the road. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing. Skateboarding is going to keep morphing and getting bigger and pushing forward. But with like the conscious and stuff, we just sort of have to accept it. Like this is life. Things that are popular are going to get more popular, especially now as we're entering a time period where a lot of the people who were skating in the eighties and nineties are adults themselves and have their own kids that they're passing all that skateboarding onto. Skateboarding is no longer just this like alternative lifestyle. It's a very common lifestyle. And to me, a father and son skating together is no different than like playing catch. In the end, it's, we just want to address that, you know, it's a good thing. It can be a good thing. It may not bring certain things that were favorable it may not put skate always put skateboarding in the most authentic light um you know things of that nature but let's keep pushing skateboarding forward whether we like it or not there's always going to be contests there's always going to be an edge and air of competition within skateboarding so you know let's embrace these smaller contests that are getting our our not so seen skaters out there and these contests from around the world that are showcasing these talents in a different light that may never make it to street league. 